2 Corinthians chapter 4. Would you pick up the reading with me in verse 1? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 1. The Bible says it this way. Therefore, oh, there's that word. Should clue you in. Something being mentioned here. He's saying, since what I just told you, what did I just tell you? Well, look what he says. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, what's the ministry we have? Well, at the end of chapter two or three, he tells us that now that we're children of God, here's what, we're supposed to be having that ministry of being like him. See, you can't be like him if you're not a child of him. This is how it works, Okay. And so what the Bible tells us is now that you're a child of God, hey, you need to be like him. Now your old nature isn't like him, but your new nature is like him. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Hey, keep going. Keep going. See, if you quit, you're not gonna make a difference. If you quit, May I ask, why are you here? Don't quit. Look at verse number two. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking craftiness, nor handling the, uh, uh, the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Look at verse three, though. The Bible says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid, to them that are lost. Tonight, I'd like to preach a message I've entitled, Why People Spend Eternity in Hell. Why will people spend eternity in hell? But before we get started, can we ask God to give us a hand? Heavenly Father, Lord, it's been a great week. And Lord, decisions have been made each and every service. Lord, we don't take that for granted. Lord, we know that you're working in a mighty way. But Father, here tonight, would you show us, as you have in the past, some things in our lives that we need to address? And Father, whatever they are, Lord, would our pride not stop us from you using us and working through us so that we can change and help others in their lives? And so, Father, I'm asking for that tonight. Lord, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross and speak through me. Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus, my precious Savior's name, Amen. In the Bible, you're going to find there's only two places of eternal destiny. Only two places. Now, there's a lot of religions that say there are more than two. But in the Bible, if we're going to go just off what the Bible says, there's only two places of eternal destiny. The first one is this place called heaven. I'm convinced. I'm convinced. Young people, we got no clue how good it's going to be. You say, what are you talking about? Well, We've never lived in a utopia where, get this, there is no more death. We don't live there. You've never lived there. As long as you lived on this earth, there has been death. There has been season change, right? You go from winter, you go to spring, you go to summer, you go to fall. There's always changing. There's, there's the planting of the flowers or the planting of the crop, and then the crop passes away. And so to us, we have no clue what it is to live in an environment of no death. We have no clue of what it's really like to live in a place where there is no more sin. Praise God for that. 
What a day it will be. Why? Because the victory has been won. Praise God. Why? Because when we get up there, get it? There's no more sin nature. We're going to be like him. And it's going to be wonderful. But you know what I think the greatest thing about heaven's going to be? One day I'm going to see my Savior face to face. And I'm going to look at him and I know already. Why'd you do it for me? I don't deserve it. And he's going to look at me and say, I'll tell you why. I love you. I love you unconditionally. And I want you to know that. That's why I did it for you. Man, how awesome is that going to be? That we're going to be able to verbally talk to our blessed Savior one day. Pretty amazing, isn't it? But then there's this other place. This place called hell. You know, in your New Testament, hell is mentioned 237 times. Now get it. Jesus didn't preach on hell to scare people. Matter of fact, the truth is, every time I preach on this topic of hell, I tell people this, I'm not here to scare you. I do not want to do that. I'm not that type of preacher, okay? I'm not going to try and scare you. Here's what I'm going to do. I want to warn you that hell is a real place created for the devil and his angels. That's Matthew 25, verse 41. That's all it's coming. It was created for the devil. And anybody else, get this, that go there, goes there is an intruder. But tonight, what I'd like to do is I'd like to show you from the text three reasons why people will spend an eternity in a lake of fire called hell. Look with me in verse number three again. Look what your Bible says. The Bible says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. First reason that Paul teaches us here why people are going to spend eternity in this place of damnation, this place of fire for eternity is because number one, the saints hide the truth. Notice what your Bible says. It says, but if, what's that pronoun there, class? Our gospel. Now stop for a second. Stop for a second. Plural possessive pronoun. How in the world does it become our gospel? Well, you have to do what I did all those years ago. You say, what'd you do? Well, I was a preacher's son. And I've heard the gospel every Sunday, every Sunday morning. My dad preached the gospel message. Matter of fact, to this day, every Sunday, he preaches the gospel message. But the truth is, though I grew up in it, though my parents have been believers for a long time, I thought at the age of 11, somehow 
I was going to go to heaven because of my mama and my daddy. I thought there's no way that God would send a preacher's son to hell. There's no way that would ever happen. Can I tell you right now, God didn't want to send a preacher's son to hell. But if this preacher's son decided to reject what Jesus Christ did on the cross, let me tell you, he was going to split hell wide open. But on that night, on July 25th, 1985, at 10.30 at night, I started weeping him in my bed. And my daddy was in the next room on the kitchen on the phone. And he heard me crying. He said, uh, he hung up the phone with the guy that he was speaking on, came into my room and said, Dad, or son, what's wrong? I said, Daddy, if I would have died before tonight, Daddy, I realized I wasn't trusting in the blood of Jesus Christ. My dad says, well, you know what you need to do? I said, yeah, Dad, I do. And I got my little body out of my bed, and I knelt next to my bed, and I said something like this, Lord, I don't deserve you, but Lord, I need you. Lord, will you save me? And I tell you from that day forward, it's done. Not because I'm something special or I, I prayed a great prayer or I'm just a great man of faith. No, 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 no. It's because the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's why. Can we make it that simple? Right? I couldn't do it. I didn't know all the deep theology that I know today, but all I knew is I couldn't do it, and he could. I said, Lord, I need you. And can I tell you, listen, listen, that's when it became my gospel. It becomes our gospel, not when you grow up in a Christian home, not when you go to Ambassador Baptist College. It becomes our gospel when you as an individual realize because of your sin, you can't go to heaven. And only because of the blood of Jesus Christ, you could have a chance to have your sins forgiven and spend a home in heaven. And he says, all I want you to do is trust me. Pretty amazing, isn't it? And then it becomes our gospel. But look at what Paul says. He says in verse number three, but if our gospel be, what's the word, class? Hid. It is hid to them that are, what's the word? Well, those are the people that are going to die and spend eternity in hell. It's the lost people. It's the crowd that doesn't know Jesus as their personal Savior. So why are people? Well, it sounds like there are saints. Can I tell you? That's believers. That's children of God. Get this. Who hide the truth. You say, Brother Jake, how in the world do believers hide the truth? Let me give you two ways tonight that I find that often in our lives we hide the truth. Number one, by our light. Our light. We hide our light. You say, what are you talking about? You know in the Bible, in Matthew chapter 5, it says something like this. Ye are the light of the world, right? A city on a hill cannot be hid. 
all right? And we understand that because in the Bible day, remember, they didn't have expressways, all right? Brother Beale took the camel, all right? I don't like camels, but whatever, all right? And so he, you would you get on a donkey, you get on a camel, you would walk, not my preference either, but anyways, and, and you wouldn't take like a, a nice sidewalk made out of concrete. No, 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 you would walk through sand. It's the Middle East, hello? All right, and so they didn't have streetlights. It's not like going through Chicago and hitting a pothole. You only do that one time, all right? But anyways, you, you, don't, you didn't do that, all right? And so what you do is to navigate, you would look for that city. And that city hit, would have its torches. It would have the lights of the city. And what you do is you would set your path based on, get this, that light from the city. Now get what I'm saying. Jesus says, you're the light of the world. Now understand, I tell people, you're kind of like a flashlight. I say, why do you say that? How many of you, your parents have an emergency flashlight? How many of you have, your parents got an emergency flashlight? You know, they've got it set in a particular spot, all right? And uh, back when I was a kid, uh, for all you old people, you know what I'm talking about. There was this emergency flashlight. It was yellow plastic casing with a black and a square battery. How many old people know what I'm talking about? Look at around, folks. I'm telling you. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just ask one of them people. They'll, they'll tell you what I'm talking about. And be honest with you, young people, them square flashlights, they weren't really that bright. They were good as a weapon. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Man, if you needed to knock someone out, you pick up that flashlight, and let me tell you, you could co-cock somebody, and they'd never know what's coming. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you just whack that dude, and he would be out. No light needed, all right? But the truth is, let's say tonight I was going to go get that emergency flashlight. And I said, guys, I got a great idea. Man, I, I got, this is the world's greatest idea. You're like, what is it, Brother Jay? I'm going to make a waterized, waterproof flashlight. And you're like, what? Yeah, I thought of it myself. And you say, well, what are you, how are you going to do that? And I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get this rubberized undercoating. That's that stuff you put underneath your truck. You know, like you start rusting away. You kind of spray that stuff under there, and that's supposed to eliminate rust. And let's, I, let's say that I was going to say, hey, you know what, guys? I'm going to make this waterproof flashlight. And so I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get that undercoating, that rubberized undercoating, and I'm going to start spraying it on my flashlight. Now, some of you are already saying, uh-uh. Brother Jake, that's a dumb idea. And I'm like, no. It'll make it waterproof. And you're looking at me and saying, but, Brother Jake, there's a problem. And I'm like, what problem could there be? I mean, honestly, this is a great idea. You could bring it underwater, and it'll be completely sealed. And I start spraying. This rubberized undercoating all across my flashlight. Well, some of you, not all of you, <laughs> would say, hey, Brother Jake, I got one problem. You sprayed the lens. And if you spray the lens, when the light's on, you're not going to see real good. And I say, no, 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 get it, get it, get it. But it's waterproof. And then you come with this intelligent statement, 
Yeah, but Brother Jake, it's called a flashlight. <laughs> and I say, yeah, but this is the greatest deal ever. This is a wonderful idea. I can waterproof my flashlight. And you're like, but Brother Jake, you don't get it. The flashlight isn't worth anything if you cover the lens with rubberized coating. And I say, bingo. You know what the Bible says? You're a divine flashlight. And every time, get this, you live in sin. Here's what happens. Every time, watch this, watch this. Every time we respond to life in the improper way. Can I tell you what responding to life improperly is? Get it. You're critical. Ephesians chapter four, verse 29. And let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. Listen to me. I'm convinced I told the guys last night in dorm devos, the reason why we're not reaching tons and tons of people for Christ is because they look at our lives, or can I say it this way? They look at our lights. They don't see any different than theirs. And they're like, why should I go to church? Why should I surrender my life and go to this Bible college that makes you wear a tie every day? <laughs> Hello. That's a waste of time. Why should I give up making money? Because how you deal with life is the same way the way I deal with life. And I'm telling you, the reason why that is is because your light ain't shining anymore. And when you spray and spray and spray and live in unconfessed sin after unconfessed sin, because watch, the light of your tongue is making your light not shine. You know what happens? We hide the gospel. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And can I tell you, many times, many times, we struggle with the sins of the spirit more than the sins of the flesh. And we kind of look at people that struggle with sins of the flesh as lower class. We're so much better. Because look, would you like to look at my arm? I don't have any needles. I don't have scar marks. I don't chew. I don't drink, I, I don't do these, I don't beat up my wife, I, I don't go womanizing. So watch what happens. We think, ah, I'm pretty good. Wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. These six things does the Lord hate. Yay, seven, abomination, and number one class was what? We looked at it the other day. Okay, number two, a lying tongue. Did you get what I just said? So obviously God's a little more concerned than what we think he is about these things. Can I say it this way? The sins of our tongue. And what happens is, is we think, well, I'm just going to be critical. Well, I'm just going to be, uh, I'm going to be sarcastic. Well, I'm just going to be negative. Well, I'm just going to gripe. Oh, I'm just going to complain. Hey, can I tell you? It doesn't help anything. See, listen, listen. What you do here at Bible college 
is just developing the pattern of what you're going to do when you get home. What you do here in Bible college is just starting to develop the pattern of what you're going to do in your ministry when you leave here. What you do here, get this, is just about to start the pattern of how you're going to parent your children one day. You think, well, it's not that big of a deal. Let me tell you, it is a huge deal. Why? Because I'm the one that goes around the country. I'm the one that sits across from the desk. I'm the one that people pour their hearts out to me because watch this. It's not because I've never had this, Hannah. I've never had a couple come to me and say, you know what? My husband is so sarcastic. He's so negative. He's so, uh, he complains so much. I love him. It's never that way. Matter of fact, here's how it goes. My husband's so sarcastic. My wife's so negative. I, 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 she's so complaining. He's so complaining. He, 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 nothing's ever good enough. Watch this. I'm done. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're done? Was she unfaithful to you? No. You mean it's all based on this thing right here? Yes. Hey, can I tell you, if you're going to deal with life the way the world deals with life, you know what you're doing? And you told me, you just told me that when I spray paint my flashlight to waterproof it, it's worthless. So how is it your Christian life as the light of the world is of great value to God when your lens is completely covered? Can I tell you it this way? We need some people that are willing to cleanse their lens. We need people to say, God, I've got a problem with my tongue and I realize it. God, would you help me? God, I need help in this area of my life. I'm naturally this way. Maybe I grew up in a home that's this way. But God, I know it's not right. I know the scriptures. I've read them. I've memorized them. And I have a problem with them. Can I tell you? It'll change the way you view life. Not only do we hide our gospel by our light, but get this, we also hide by our lips. See, what are you talking about? Your life is a great testimony. Matter of fact, if you didn't know this, we're ambassadors for Christ. If you don't know that, you should read the wall someday, all right? It's kind of like up there, you know. But the truth is, listen, listen. Our lives are supposed to represent Christ. But can I tell you this? He needs us to more than just live a great life. He needs to use our lips. Why? Isn't it amazing in the Great Commission, whichever portion of Scripture you want to go to, there's always the physical part, go. And there's, there's always the verbal part, tell, teach, preach, however you'd like to say it, okay? Isn't it, it's two parts. Why? Because faith cometh by what? Hearing. And hearing by the what? Word of God. Ah, okay, you got it. And I'm all about, I'm all about, I, I was telling someone, I'm, I got the opportunity to give the gospel at a unique situation, never in my life 
have I ever done this? You say, what is it? A pastor called me and asked if I would do a daddy-daughter gala. And I said, is it gala or gala? He's like, gala's the apple. <laughs> I'm, he's like, this is a formal daddy-daughter gala. I said, well, what do you want me to do? No. Like, I hope this has got nothing to do with dancing because I can't dance, okay? <laughs> It'd be bad news. He's like, no. He said, what we do is we put on this formal dining, almost black tie. He said, and we open it up to our community. And he said, we got over 200 community daddy and daughters coming to it, and I want you to give them the gospel. I'm all about that. So I called my girls. I said, hey, girls, how would you like to go? Now get it. They're 25, 20, and 18. I said, hey, girls, how would you like to go with daddy to a gala? Daddy of the Year Award to me. <laughs> They're like, Daddy, we're going to have to buy new dresses. And I said, what's the we part got to do with it? <laughs> 25 and I'm still buying dresses, you know? Honestly. But listen to me. I'm all about it. Why? Because the gospel is going to go out. That's right. Hey, they're going to hear. The good news. Now, I get it, get it, get it. Not all of you are like me. Praise the Lord you're not, okay? <laughs> it's good for you, okay, not to be like me. But the truth is, you know, every one of us has a ministry. That's right. Not everybody's going to speak opening revival at Ambassador. Not everybody's going to travel the nation. Not everybody's going to go to the mission field. But how about, how about this? How about that coworker? We on Sunday nights at my church, we have, uh, we've moved our six o'clock service to 9 a.m. And so we do 9 a.m., 10 o'clock Sunday school, 11 a.m., all right? So that means our Sunday night is no longer, okay? We don't do Sunday night church, all right? If you think I'm a heathen, I didn't come up with it, but that's what we do, all right? The truth is, you know what we've done with that? We make Sunday night neighbor night. Now get my neighbors. It's awesome. You go on the corner, it's Father Kevin. He is the priest of the Catholic Church behind my house. <laughs> then there's Mark and Jehoden. Okay, Jehoden's her first name. You think she's Jewish? Maybe, okay? <laughs> then you come and it's my good friends, my good friends, the Bodiches, and they're Catholic. Then you come to the corner, okay? That's only three houses over. Then you come to the corner and get what do they are. They are my Lutheran friends, Warren and Judy. Then you come to my house, next to my house, they're my Methodist friends, Bob and Ruth. And then there's us, okay? It's a crazy corner, all right? And then you go to the next one, and they don't even, they're not even, they're nothing, okay? Not that they're nothing, but they don't have a religious system of belief, Okay? And we invite them over. It's crazy. <laughs> but you know what's amazing about all of them? They're all searching. They're all searching. Now, I don't get out and preach to them every time they come over. I don't do that at all. But here's what I do. 
love them. You know what we found? Starts opening doors. They think we're weird. We are, okay? I mean, who, who takes four children in a 38-foot box 40 weeks out of the year and drags them around the country? You know what I'm saying? That would be classified as weirdos, okay? Okay, that's just facts. It's all right. But you know what's amazing is that brings questions to their minds. And they ask all kinds of stuff. And we're like, oh, man, let me tell you. And we get to share with them what God's done in our lives. We tell them, hey, we were, we were normal people at one time. <laughs> we lived just like you. But then things got really crazy. You know what's awesome? Is that you can use the blessings that God has given you. Watch this. For his glory. Because people are looking. But here's what you got to do. Got to use your lips. You got to use your lips. Isn't it amazing when you read in the Bible, Jesus giving the gospel, he doesn't ever use the Romans road. Right? What does he use? Life. Remember like the lady at the well? She was a little thirsty. Right? I got some water for you. Hey, you drink this, you're never going to get thirsty. What? That doesn't make a lick of sense. I get thirsty all the time. Oh, no, not this one. It's going to take care of you. Now, get this. He just takes life. And he puts it right where someone can get it. Hey, can I tell you? You have relationships with lost people that if you would not hide your lips... They could see it. They could understand it. But the fear is, oh, they think you're weird. You are. Just accept it. Move on. Okay? We're different. It's okay. It's okay. Why? We're children of the king. That's why. You can accept that. They won't understand. It's all right. Move on. But you serve an almighty God. Number one reason. Because saints hide the truth. Notice number two. Look what your Bible says. Look with me in verse number four. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. All right, number two. Not only does Paul teach us that the reason why people will spend eternity in hell is number one, because saints hide the truth, but number two, because Satan blinds them from the truth. Now notice what verse number four says. In whom the God, little g, of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. One day, I, uh, I had this neighbor. That's the Methodist neighbor right next to me. And uh, he came to me and he said, Jake, I got a question for you. Now, the Methodist church thinks I'm a min- uh, missionary, all right? So they're across the street and I just let it go, you know. I'm missionary Jake, okay, whatever. It doesn't bother me. And so Methodist Bob, okay, he comes to me one day and says, hey, I got a question for you. He's like, why do you always take care of snow plowing my driveway? And I thought to myself, how do I respond to that? You know what I'm saying? Like, it was, I wasn't planning the question. I wasn't like, okay, how am I going to 
respond if someone asked me that. And it's almost as the Lord just said, stop, think about this. I said, you know, Bob, that's a good question. I am not plowing your driveway every time the snow flies because I'm trying to earn favor with God. I'm not. I said, the reason why I plow your snow in your driveway every single time it snows is because, Bob, I want to prove God's love for me. See, I don't have to do it. I get to do it. You know that has opened more opportunities with Bob than ever before. See, religion has done something. Religion's figured, people have figured something out. Here it is. Religion says this. If I can control man's eternal destiny, I can control man. Did you hear what I said? Religion says if I can control man's eternal destiny, no one really wants to go to hell. So if I can control man's eternal destiny, here's what I, I control them. That's why you get into this, well, you got to do this and 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 you got to do this in religion. And whatever religion it is, it's usually a list of things you got to do this and do this and do this and do this, do this and do this and do this and do this and do this. Here's the problem with this. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, it is what? Sounds like it's done. So when I got saved, get it, according to Romans chapter 5, I've already obtained favor with God. I'm not working to earn favor. I'm working because I have favor. And because I have favor with God, hey, I want other people to understand you cannot earn God's favor. You're a sinner. You'll never be able to. But once you become a child of God, let me tell you, you ought to let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which art in heaven. Get that, get it, get it. But you know what the devil's mastered? Deceiving those in religion. I told you my good friends, they're my neighbors. They've come and heard me preach. When I preach in my home church, they'll come sometimes. And I remember Dan, they, one time they heard me preach and I gave the gospel message. And he's always been intrigued. This neighbor's always been intrigued with my preaching. Matter of fact, he'll come to me sometimes. Outside, we usually work together in the shop. I've got a wood shop at my house. And he'll come in and he'll sit down and we'll just have these chats about the Bible. He, he loves Erwin Lutzer. He loves it. Uh, by my house, Moody is right there, and so he's on radio all the time, and so he'll always come with these thoughts that he heard maybe on the radio or some, some uh, theological question. One day he came to me and said, hey, Jake, I got it. I said, what did what, you get? He said, you got to believe. And at first I was good with it because I was like, oh man, that, 
It's great. He's going to come to Christ. That's awesome. He's got to believe in Mary. You know, I had given up on him. Still love him. Still trying to be a witness to him. But can I tell you? Satan, so far, has blinded him from the truth. And I can't, I, it gets under my skin. I just want to lay it out there again. And I know sometimes it's me in the flesh and not the spirit. And I got to get back because I know, hey, I don't want to ruin this. They're good people and I love them. And they are, they're really good moral people. But their goodness is not going to make it. Because they're sinners just like me and just like you. But Satan had blinded them from the truth. Let me give you number three. Look what your Bible says in verse number four or verse number five. It says, for we, Paul speaking, preach not ourselves but Christ the Lord and ourselves uh, your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. All right, number three. Ultimately, why is someone going to spend eternity in a lake of fire called hell? Because ultimately, here it is, sinners reject the light of the truth. You know, it's amazing. As much as I love to see my neighbors come to Christ, and I'm going to work on it till I'm dead, I can't force them. You're here tonight and you got a mama, you got a daddy. Your heart will be broken if they were to pass and not trust in the light, the glorious light of the gospel. Hey, can I tell you? It's not because God isn't merciful or he isn't gracious. He is. You see it in your life. Someone said, ask me, how many times did you hear the gospel? A lot. But it wasn't to the age of 11 before I received it. Many times, can I tell you, we just don't understand. And we say, how in the world, why are you rejecting this gift from God? But can I tell you, you can't force anybody to receive it. You can't manipulate it. By the way, be careful, moms and dads, future moms and dads. Be careful, be careful. Don't force your children into salvation. Let them come to the idea of repentance and knowing, understanding what wrong is and the consequences of wrongdoing and then understand what grace and how they, they don't deserve it, but God's given us this wonderful gift called his son. Let it work. Let it manifest itself. Don't force it. You see why? I work with too many young people that said, I thought I was saved at four. I thought I was saved at five. And many times it's because there was manipulation involved and that's not salvation. That's called manipulation. And we gotta be careful of that. Why? Because you can't force anyone to receive it. And unfortunately, as much as God 
isn't willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. There are those that will be intruders and there are those that will reject the light of the truth. You know what they'll find? It wasn't worth it. Why? Because they'll spend eternity separated from God, paying for their sin. You know, in life, there are things that are worth taking a chance. How many of you have ever taken a chance on a restaurant? You said, you know, that, that, I'm going to try out that new restaurant. You take a chance on that thing and, and you say afterwards, we ain't going there again. <laughs> no, sir. That thing was terrible. You know, how, how many of you have ever taken a chance on a car? How many of you said, man, I'm going to buy this car, and, and boy, that's going to work out really well. And uh, sometimes it works good, and sometimes. How many of you have ever taken a chance on an outfit? How many of you know what I'm talking about? All you ladies, put your hands up. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Especially with this online shopping, right? You just, <laughs> this is going to be a roll of the dice, man. This one, is this going to fit? Is it not going to fit? Do I look good? And, and guys, it's just a question. Don't answer it. Does this make me look fat? Okay, that, that's not a question you need to answer. You know, you just let that one slide about, talk about the Cubs, do something, all right? But sometimes in life, there are things that are worth taking a chance on. But can I tell you this? Eternity ain't worth it. Because if you wake up in hell, You'll be there forever. For someone who has been given a gift. Can I tell you? It's that simple. All they have to do is receive it. All they have to do is take that light and direct it towards him. Don't lose hope and keep shining your light.